Welcome to the Highly Sensitive Podcast. I'm Lauren LaSalle, and I'm a former therapist, a highly sensitive person, and a boundary-setting coach for highly sensitive people. My hope for this podcast is to create a feeling of community, be a supportive place for HSPs, and normalize our experiences as highly sensitive people. Thank you so much for joining me, and let's begin. Welcome to the Highly Sensitive Podcast. I'm Lauren LaSalle, and I am a boundary-setting coach for highly sensitive people. If you would like to start or continue your boundary-setting journey, visit my website at laurenlasallecoaching.com to download your free workbook about boundary-setting for highly sensitive people. All right. Today, my guest is somebody that has been on the podcast before. You might recognize her voice from episode 22, Three Ways to Calm Your Nervous System as an HSP. It is Joanne Kim. So Joanne is a therapist turned feelings translator who helps highly sensitive persons turn their biggest feelings into their greatest superpower. The people who work with her are often the first or only person in their family or communities to intuitively process and express feelings. Consequently, they are often judged or criticized so that they learn to people-please, placate, or perform until they hit a wall. They're super familiar with anxiety, guilt, and shame, partly because of an allergic reaction to anger, their own and others. Often the super responsible, empathic, and ethical person in their environments, they reach out to Joanne after they're already burned out, resentful in their lopsided relationships, or sucked into their shame spiral. When Joanne shares about her approach to working with feelings, the number one response she gets is, why didn't they teach me this in school? Grab the free guide, the Big Feeler First Aid Kit, to learn how to navigate your feelings when they show up when you least expect or want them, and I will link to that in the episode description. I also wanted to make sure everybody knows that Joanne is doing a free live webinar on Tuesday, October 10th at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time about anger for HSPs. It will explore the costs and consequences of stuffing or rejecting your anger, anger's potential to propel you close to your dream life, and quick and easy exercises to tap into this vital source of energy so that you can revitalize your life, relationships, and life purpose. So I'm sure you don't want to miss this. Joanne is amazing. She is so passionate about what she does and passionate about emotions and teaching people about emotions. So make sure you check that out as well. And I will put a link in the episode description as well to register for the webinar. So in our discussion today, we talk all about feelings. So she talks about how feelings work, what some emotional habits are for highly sensitive persons. She shares a lot of practical tips and she, I think she said at one point she could nerd out about this all day (laughs) and she really is just fantastic. She really, really knows what she's talking about. She is so much fun to talk to, and I hope you get a lot out of this episode, as I'm sure you will. I got so much out of it. She shares so much information. I really needed to listen through it myself to remember more of what she talked about, because this episode is just packed full of great tips and information. So I hope you enjoy it as well. So here is our conversation. So nice to have you back, Joanne. I'm sure people will recognize you from your previous episode, hopefully. 
So I'm I'm glad you're going to be talking about feelings because I think that's a really big topic among, you know, everybody, but especially highly sensitive people. So how do feelings work? Well, I would say that it's a lot like languages where it has its own vocab, it has its own grammar. And if you kind of think about um, kids, like young kids and how they pick up language, like before they've gotten any formal training in like all like the exercises and things like that, some people are just really good at absorbing this particular language like a sponge. Like they know it so well, they speak it very fluently and eloquently but you ask them to teach someone else how to do so, then they're like, ah, I have no idea. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I do is to describe the actual mechanics of how feelings work. First, by describing how feelings, how we tend to deal with our feelings. And so usually when an emotion comes up, a lot of us are trained by society or have our own on it's like oh nope we're not gonna do that here it's too messy it's too dangerous too risky unpredictable whatever so i'm gonna label this as a bad feeling i'm gonna shove it aside i'm not gonna deal with it only to find out that that doesn't actually go away it's still there and we find out that a later event comes up and that feeling that we shoved aside before then piggybacks off of a new feeling that comes up and now they like multiply. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so often when we as HSPs consider our feelings, it's usually after crap has hit the fan. It's usually when things have turned sideways, things got messy, you know, a single issue of like how a dishwasher got loaded, like it is enough for some people to like cry and then they judge themselves and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So how people tend to deal with their feelings is to label them as bad and to shove them aside only to find out they're still there and they're going to show up. And in terms of how feelings work is they're supposed to show up because the main function for our feelings is to tell us about our experiences and to tell us what we need. They're messengers because they have a language of their own. And so if we, if a feeling comes up and we shove it aside because we don't know what to do with it, it's kind of like when the delivery person comes around and we're like, oh my gosh, like I can't take the package, like you go, go away, go away. And then they still have a job to deliver the package. So, you know, like the Harry Potter mail system where the mail will find you somehow (laughs) until the message is delivered. So you can either receive the message and find out what it says or get chased by it and then feel super frazzled and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. It's just that highly sensitive persons are more um, in that realm of noticing things related to feelings, even though we might not understand it or necessarily know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Non-HSPs who tend to not nitpick on the details as much, they're often focusing more on the big picture. So they too also have feelings, but because they're not as responsive to feelings when they come up, it's as if they are more rational and HSPs are more irrational. When what's actually happening is feelings have a logic of their own. So the ironic thing for HSPs who are labeled as being too irrational, too immature, whatever, 
It's just that that particular logic hasn't been accepted as valid. Mm-hmm. So when highly sensitive persons get to unpack how feelings are actually supposed to work, and maybe they're able to translate their feelings for other people for whom it's not their first language, that'll smooth out a whole lot of things. So the three steps I usually recommend is feel, reveal, and deal. Feel the emotion, reveal the need, deal with the need. Because if emotions are meant to tell us what we need, and we find out what we need, and when we address the need, the feelings have done their job, the package delivery person goes about their merry way. They fulfill their mission. What we actually end up doing is three other steps of feeling the emotion, dealing with the emotion, and then concealing the need. And that process is what I call the emotional vortex. People get stuck in this chaotic cycle of all these feelings escalating because they're not letting feelings do their original job. So when we feel the emotion, deal with the emotion, and conceal the need, we get stuck in this emotional vortex. On the other hand, when we feel the emotion, we reveal the need, and then we deal with the need, not the feeling. Then the emotion kind of goes about their merry way. Our needs get met. We're more content and more chill, which is kind of what a lot of us were hoping for anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like when I explain these things to people, like a lot of the reactions I get from them is like, well, I didn't, why didn't anyone like tell me this before? <laughs> it's like of the three steps, the feel, con- feel, deal, conceal, and then feel, reveal, deal, like, you know, two out of the three are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It's just one difference in assuming that feelings actually do have an inherent good purpose. If we know how they work and we do according to what how they're supposed to work, it's actually a very simple and smooth process. It's not easy, but it's very simple. Mm-hmm. So like, I love being able to help simplify a lot of these very ethereal murky areas that even with a dangerous emotion like anger or resentment there's actually a good logic and reason to it right mm-hmm. yeah so pretty cool stuff yeah <laughs> yeah i know when you, the way you break it down it does make it seem like so simple why isn't this something that anyone talks about i mean i feel like feelings are coming out more in our society and like feel your feelings and all of this but and then it's kind of like okay cool now what like just go to therapy which is great too i love that people are are talking about therapy but it i feel like that's kind of where it ends (laughs) (laughs) so like i really appreciate that in recent decades there's there has been more of an openness and acknowledgement that feelings are valid, mm-hmm. but how they're valid, I don't think the I don't think we quite clarified that yet. Right. And so, I think these days it's kind of like feelings are like fruit flies, like just let them happen and they'll be fine, like it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there are a couple of assumptions that come with that, in that all feelings are basically the same. So there's no need to pay attention to different ones because they're basically all the same. Just learn how to let it be mm-hmm. <laughs> or learn how to let it go. Like feel your feelings and then let it pass. Like it's, 
it's better than before than rejecting your feelings, but it doesn't quite get us to the next step. Right. And so my main mission is to help people recognize that emotions aren't just something to tolerate. It's actually something to harness. In the same way that two people can watch the exact same movie, but have very different feelings and different interpretations. Each person's emotions actually reveals their individuality, who they are as an individual, who they are as a person, like what are unique to them, like their own giftings, their values, their purpose in life and things like that. And so if we just consider all emotions as basically the same, we just need to learn how to like tolerate it and like let it go. We're actually missing out on a whole lot of really useful information that when we don't pay attention to it, we'll have to deal with it anyway. And that's what all these existential life crises are about. When there's a breakup, when someone gets fired from work, when the kids leave off to college and you have all this time to yourself and now you're wondering like, well, what do I do with the rest of my life? (laughs) (laughs) When people really get in touch with their own emotions that reveals their individuality and learn to work with and not against their feelings, they actually can have a lot of clarity as to what to do going forward. So it's not just learning how feelings work so that you don't get stuck in the emotional vortex. That's like only half the story. Okay. If someone doesn't get tripped up anymore, that's great. But it's like, well, then what? The other half is to switch into what I call emotional flow. And it's, people have heard of things like being in a flow state or being in the zone, like um, being in your element. It's kind of when people like come alive where they do all these fantastic things like play. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort and energy, but so much happens. And everyone else who watches that individual in a flow state, they're also captivated by it. So there's something like pretty cool and supernatural that happens. Uh, But everyone's different so if like I try to be what you've been called to be then it's not going to fit and both of us might be miserable (laughs) right (laughs) right and so we're actually tapping into our own emotional world getting to know our emotional habits seeing which emotions tend to pop up more often and which ones often are still like locked up in the closet and then actually getting to know what our central values our central needs are so that when we actually nurture that part of us, then we get into that flow state of like, everything feels so easy. Like we're still dealing with hard life circumstances, but it feels like pain that's worth it. Mm. And that's kind of like the term passion. We kind of use it in multiple ways in that like something that someone gets so fired up about they're so passionate about it but technically the word means pain it's like something that we care about so much so that pain feels worth it Mm -hmm. it's worth putting in the effort it's worth putting in all of our like sacrifices like that's how valuable something is so in order for us to Uh, tap into who we really are and live out of that place of like deep meaning and the um, authenticity, freedom, hope, all that stuff that highly sensitive persons tend to want to think about anyway. 
but instead of just like ruminating about it, it's like actually making them happen, taking action on it, like putting legs to it. And our own emotions are the way to actually do just that. So I can nerd about this all day. <laughs> but um, like, what, what's it like for you to hear that framework? Because it makes sense in my head, but I'd like to kind of hear about um, whether that stirs up anything in you or like if you have any questions about it. It makes sense to me too. I really love it. And I think a lot of people are going to kind of be like mind blown. I feel like it's a different, just like a different reframing of emotions mm-hmm. that we haven't really heard before. <laughs> um, Cause I mean, I, I used to be a therapist up until recently and I hadn't even heard it exactly framed the way that you're talking about it, but it, it really does make sense. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I've invented this framework. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like we we see glimpses of it in like different parts of the world or different life. Like I think kind of like pops up here and there like a gopher. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, uh, it's not, there's nothing new under the sun. But there's some, it's it's really about whether or not we are open to receiving that message mm-hmm. uh, and then taking the ball and running with it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wish this was something that was taught in schools. Can you come up with a <laughs> curriculum <laughs> like nationwide <laughs> for schools? Well, That'd be yeah, great. That, that would be fantastic. And I, um, I'm really hoping to be able to close the gap a little bit more in my lifetime um and so like that's my big life mission in helping people find and live out of their flow state and the how I help people do that is through feelings and so um I am uh, building a school of feelings if you will because until this can be more regular of a curriculum in our existing schools this will have to do for now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what are some emotional habits for highly sensitive persons? Um, I would say there are three uh, that come top of mind. One is navel gazing. So when HSPs tend to be very reflective and, you know, contemplating like the ethereal meaningful things of life and often the emotions tend to tinge more towards sadness or longing or maybe even anxiety um it's like trying to like make meaning out of one's life that kind of like angsty stuff um those who are non-HSPs tend to not think about that as much until they're like on their deathbed and they're like looking back on their lives Mm. but HSPs tend to overly do that all the time so much so that they get lost in their inner world and they get disconnected from their actual day-to-day current reality. It's like everything outside is boring, ordinary, mundane, meaningless, shallow, whatever. Um, so navel gazing, um, it's not a bad thing, but it's easy for highly sensitive persons to overdo that. So as a way of balancing ourselves out or diversifying our options it is a good discipline practice for high sensitive persons to deliberately notice the simple things in life instead of getting distracted by the complex and complicated or focusing on the light easy even 
shallow things instead of trying to always like draw some meaning. <laughs> Sometimes a pen is just a pen. <laughs> and maybe that's okay as it is. Um, so that's one. Uh, second one, second emotional habit is that uh, HSPs tend to absorb other people's feelings like a sponge. And it's one of the greatest uh, strengths for highly sensitive persons. It kind of allows us to really show up for other people and um, lean in with empathy. And that's like the lubricant of all relationships. The flip side is that sometimes we get so absorbed into other people's realms that ironically, even though we're navel gazing, we take on other people's stuff. So um, other people probably try to underly do their feelings. HSPs tend to overly do it. And so what ends up happening is like this uh, parasite host relationship <laughs> where there's this um, draw towards the other where the highly sensitive person tends to also do the emotional work on behalf of other people because they've absorbed their pain, their feelings, their responsibility, and have given up their own power that the other person takes on. So you'll find in a lot of cases that those who lean more empathic tend to be drawn towards people who are more assholes. Um, that combination is very common, partially because HSPs need more distinction and more boundaries to keep their stuff on the inside and to keep everyone else's stuff out. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes I like recommending people uh, do like a like a visualization of a bubble or a barrier where they check in with their physical body and asking the body, am I holding on to anyone else's stuff? And not thinking with our head, but allowing our bodies to speak. I was like, oh, like, I kind of feel this, like, tension in my neck. Like, what is this about? I don't have to understand what it is. I just need to acknowledge that it is. All right, let me visualize that as a color or as a fog or whatever. And let me extract it out of my body through the bottom of my feet or through the palm of my hand so that their stuff stays outside. Okay, is there anything else that belongs to me that I've given up and someone else hasn't? Like power or authority. I'm very squeamish. I don't want to take my own authority back, but you know, it's really important. So let me visualize that as a color. Let's say someone who I feel like has stolen my voice. Let me visualize that coming back to me within my bubble and staying within my bubble. It's kind of like a sorting process. Mm -hmm. So that would be emotional habit number two. First one is navel gazing. Second one is absorbing other people's feelings. And the third emotional habit is I like calling it uh, aim, but never fire. In the focus on one's inner world and try to make sure that whatever, however we live life is super meaningful and authentic and whatever. Uh, we can get stuck in analysis paralysis or imposter syndrome or procrastination perfections and what have you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that we're like constantly thinking about doing something, but actually never actually do the thing. Right because it feels more 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 scary and there's like a buildup of anxiety, guilt, shame, judgment, and all that stuff. The feeling that's actually necessary, but that HSPs are allergic to is anger. Anger is a very powerful emotion. It's a very propelling emotion. It says, this is what I want and I'm gonna get it. And how dare you get in the way or I'm frustrated that's not happening. And so instead of shying away from anger and shoving it aside, when we take 
back are the power that comes with anger and say, uh, anger tells me that I too really matter and what I want really matters. And I'm not going to give up my power. I'm going to actually advocate on behalf of myself. It's a very championing feeling. Mm-hmm. And so when we take back our anger, like uh, gunpowder, firepower, raw energy, and propel us forward instead of pulling back with fear, then we might find that the thing that we were so scared of is actually not all that difficult. Mm-hmm. All of that could have been resolved if we had just taken action. Right. Yeah, I feel like so. that's really, really common. And yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, like non-HSPs tend to fire and then maybe aim later. <laughs> <laughs> if they do at all. Mm-hmm. And so it's not as if what HSPs are doing is bad. And so not as if what non-HSPs are doing are bad either. Like we just need both. And it's kind of when we're polarized towards extremes where we're basically um, we're again recreating this parasite host relationship because we're underly acknowledging what's our stuff and we're taking on someone else's and then vice versa and so like getting back to our rightful size again taking back our rightful power and authority uh, we feel like we're being assholes when we advocate on behalf of ourselves but in actuality like we're so far away from that edge. Like we could afford to increase their size a bit more. Right. Yeah. And so tolerating the the stress and the fear that comes with re-owning our anger is a pretty big part of our growth and healing process as highly sensitive persons. Um, the very thing that we're scared of is actually what we need more of. Yeah. Sorry to tell all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah so. I love all of those, all of those tips. Um, yeah, I feel like this is, I, I'm just gonna, when I edit this episode, I'm just gonna like have to take all of this in because it's so much good information and it's all, yeah, I feel like it's so relevant and it's so good. And yeah, my brain really needs to like, listen to this a few times, I think to really process it all. It's, it's great. Yeah, uh, I have written this into blog form. <laughs> nice. Awesome. There are a couple of uh, options. Uh, I would basically try to write a single blog about the emotional habits of HSPs, and I just kept coming. <laughs> There's no need for us to like master all of it in one sitting anyway. Right. It's going to be like a, a lifelong journey, but um, like each of these things are, it's not like, a criticism on how we naturally operate it's just that our own giftings can be a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. and as long as we show up for each situation according to what the situation needs not according to what we're used to great it's just when we tend to try to resolve a problem that our strengths are not meant to resolve that's kind of where we get stuck and then we judge ourselves ourselves more down already so yeah i'll send over the link to you with the uh the four-part series and um, there's a i think each blog has like four to six like concrete tips uh or exercises i mentioned like one or two today but that's awesome these are things that i share with people either in therapy or in coaching so they seem to find it helpful like yeah I, I think all of your tips are just amazing. 
So yeah, I'll definitely put that um, link in the the episode description so people can check that out too. Do you have any more tips that you want to share right now? Oh, um, so I do have a guide called the Big Feeler First Aid Kit. And uh, the main pickle that it addresses is sometimes our feelings show up at the wrong time and at the wrong place. The feelings aren't bad, but when they show up, when we least expect it, it can get really confusing. And what do we do when we're confused? We panic and we shove it back into the closet. Mm-hmm. Only and it's only a matter of time until the next situation comes up where they just kind of pop back up again. So to avoid doing that, the first aid kit gives us some options on what to do in that moment. And instead of saying like, I'm just not going to deal with this feeling, like how dare I feel this way or like what's wrong with me and like going down that shame spiral. It's like, okay, I acknowledge that this feeling is coming up. I don't know exactly why I feel this way right now or what I'm supposed to do with it. So you know what? Let me make a promise with this feeling. I will come back to it at this time, at this place. It's just not right now. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like negotiating with their feelings. Just the main thing that we mess up <laughs> is that even if we do that, we don't actually keep our promise. Mm-hmm. And then our feelings get mad at us mm-hmm. because we broke our promise. And so uh, the first aid kit kind of gives us those like three or four steps of like what, like how to have a conversation with our feelings in that snap moment where like you get triggered in a work meeting, but you're not allowed to cry, right? Or like you're in a party full of people and like, you don't want to like withdraw and pull away completely. You still want to be present, but you're still not really sure what to do with these reactions that are coming up. The first aid kit is kind of a way, um, it breaks it down into smaller steps. And then it highlights three particular feelings, uh, anger, sadness and fear those are three of the negative emotions um what each of them can signal so instead of again shooting in the dark or like treating every feeling like the same you know fruit fly let's pay attention to each feeling and the themes that they bring up the more familiar we are with them the more readily we can respond to them if we're less familiar we'll panic and we'll react mm-hmm. so um, it's better to prepare for war in times of peace, not in times of war. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Highly recommend that, you know, people have a chance to get a little bit more familiar when they're calm and then practice, getting some practice under their belt, um, instead of judging themselves for not being able to do it in the moment when they panic and shut down. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally makes sense. I remember telling clients to do that too. And they're like, huh, new, that's a great idea. Like, yeah, I can just practice it for when I need it instead of not remembering how to do it when I need it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's great intentions. It's just when we're stressed, we're switched on to a different part of our brain. Mm-hmm. And it's as if we never learned that thing in the first place. And right. so when we're able to practice, it's like, you know, any athlete who works out at the gym, exercising these different muscles, we want to make sure that we have muscle memory instead of just banking on our intentions. Because mm-hmm. when crap hits the fan, that part of our brain completely shuts down and we don't have any access to it. 
but if we have muscle memory, sometimes, I mean, the other day, like <laughs> I ended up driving to my old home <laughs> completely like, you know, I was completely um, unaware, but my body knew. And so that's the kind of mechanism that we can actually use to our advantage, mm-hmm. even with our own emotions. Um, so like another mini quick tip, if someone wants to practice the emotion of anger, is to practice opening up one's chest instead of hunching over and then staring dead straight. Now this might feel very uncomfortable to do it like with another person, like locking eye contact. Um, but this is actually a good way to practice anger. And this is why we find people who do this so intimidating. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the direct eye contact and looking straight on it instead of down or away or up. Basically HSPs look everywhere else but the center. Um, unless they're looking at an object that feels a little bit easier, but same idea. It's like anger and desire are kind of flip sides of the same coin. It's like really pursuing something instead of what HSBs are prone to doing, which is to more like withdraw. Mm-hmm. This doesn't take a whole lot of fancy equipment. It, you can do this for free. Um, but if you don't do it, it's going to be very expensive later in moments when you actually need to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great tips. So, as as yeah, always, I, you come with plenty of great tips. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, I hope to have more regular conversations with people. I am um, kind of expanding beyond the traditional therapy space where like sometimes things come up in sessions. I'm like, man, I really wish like so-and-so also heard this because this was great. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, confidentiality. Right. <laughs> so I'm like trying to figure out some other ways to keep this conversation going because the main issue that people have or the main obstacle that people run into when it comes to the realm of feelings is that everyone is trying to figure things out alone. Yeah. Thinking that they're the only ones on the planet who feel this way. You have a room full of people who all feel the same way that they're alone. That's really hard. That's really sad. Mm -hmm. If one person opened up, imagine like just how much healing and how much breakthrough that can happen there oh yeah i'm hoping i'm really wanting to um make these kinds of conversations much more accessible and easy um that is my desire Mm -hmm. so yeah that that seems really really needed because i think there are a lot of people who feel alone and they feel like oh it's just me and it's really not Yeah. If only we knew. Yeah. (laughs) But how will we get there if we don't open up? Right. So, yeah, like I tend to be a little bit more reckless than other people. So, you know, if it starts with me opening up about how I do feelings, fine. But uh, it took a lot of work for me to get here. And I'm really thankful that I am here. Um, And I feel like this is more... um, me paying it forward. I love that. That's that's kind of how I got to be, I guess, where where I am too, because I of things I went through and then feeling like I need to to pay it forward mm-hmm. also. I, I yeah. think I think a lot of HSPs are like that. Yeah. I love that about yeah. us. <laughs> We're so fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only we could uh keep ourselves from getting stuck inside. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I'm I'm so glad that I started this podcast because I get to have people like you on here and, and all of my other guests who do get to open up and get to share things that they've learned about and things that they're working on and and try to help other people with with those same things. So hopefully this will yeah. will spread all of this, things that you're doing, things you know that I'm doing and and we'll we'll really connect with people and, and be able to help them. So mm-hmm sure yeah well how can people connect with you and how can they get the that emotions guide that you were talking about too yeah um easiest way is to go to intelligentemotions.com slash first aid kit and uh it's like um 10 or so pages pretty quick and easy um the couple of the pages i intended to be like a printout mm-hmm. kind of as like a reminder um and so that's probably the easiest way um People will also be getting uh, regular uh, newsletters from me, uh, basically like those things that I tend that tend to come up in like my therapy sessions. But I think these are universal um, tenets or truths that I think a lot of people can benefit from. Um, I tend to draw highly sensitive persons to me. Uh, and so uh, a lot of those areas will involve like how feelings tend to show up for better or for worse in our personal growth in our relationships, in our professional journeys. For example, uh, imposter syndrome. Mm. I'm really excited about uh, doing a series on that sometime. (laughs) That will be a great one, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. Do you you want to talk about your course a little bit? Yeah. Um, And so I uh, am hoping to build a school specifically for feelings where there's basically like an emotions 101 course, there's an advanced 201 course on how more complex or a combination of emotions show up in those areas of personal growth, relationships, and professional development with uh, a feelings library of like the different elective topics that people can kind of choose whichever resonates the most with them. Uh, I don't think that it's possible for everyone to learn the full extent of this in one sitting or one go. Um, And so I intend for this to be like a lifetime access because we have different things happening in different seasons of our lives. What we needed in one season is totally different from another. Uh, Also with like changes in like life, stages of life or like, you know, people getting married or like deaths in the family or like midlife crisis, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm building this out um, as we speak and hope to have like kind of like a, a classroom or a cohort type of arrangement because I do feel like emotions are meant to be spoken in connections in the context of community and so yeah that's in the works I'm super excited about it um, this is probably my second or third round of it and uh, it's been pretty good so far so that's awesome. And uh, that one, um, I am still coming up with a name for it. Um, might be something like the big feelings flow state or something. Mm-hmm. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, grab the uh, big feelers first aid kit. And when that's ready to be announced, you'll have it right in your inbox. Awesome. Wow. That sounds like such an ambitious <laughs> project. And wow. Yeah. I'm just kind of blown away about how much you're you're really putting into this and, and creating a really awesome space for people that 
I've never heard of anything like it before. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I hope that I am case in point of what happens when someone's in flow state. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like this is super fun. Like, yeah, technically I put in so many hours to this, but like it feels like play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so because I feel so aligned with what really matters to me and who I am, it sometimes does feel like breathing. And so uh, like this happens to be my flow state. Like everyone has their own. And I wonder what might happen across the world if instead of getting caught up in our own and other people's emotional vortex processes, that if one person switches over into a flow state and then they get their time, energy, and a headspace back so that they could devote it towards things that they really care about like that can itself have its own ripple effect so that is what i'm striving for and so this is uh my contribution to the world so <laughs> that is great i love it i think you're just like such an inspiration <laughs> i love that you're you're putting so much of this out there to help other people and i think it will have a really yeah. big impact mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to how it develops. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Highly Sensitive Podcast. You can help support the show by taking a minute to rate and review it, share a favorite episode with a friend, or go to patreon.com slash highly sensitive podcasts.